The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. What is going on in America? That's what I want to know. Six million five hundred thousand nine hundred and sixty six pounds of various raw non-intact beef products may be contaminated with salmonella now look i realize that maybe six million five hundred thousand nine hundred and sixty six pounds of contaminated beef products might be a small percentage of what we consume here in america but that seems like an awful lot. And it seems like we're hearing it more and more. Like, there's now a salmonella recall on eggs in seven states. I mean, what is the problem? What is going on? We've got an investigation on the beef, 57 case patients from 16 states. And that's ranging from August 5th to September 6th, okay? With the eggs, we're in seven states, 38 cases in all in seven states. It is absolutely amazing to me that we get, it sounds like, it just seems like, and it might not be true, that more and more products are being recalled due to some sort of contamination. Now, is that a budget thing? Do we need more inspectors? Are the inspectors that we have not doing their job? Are we just have the mindset of, ah, who cares? You know what? If they eat a little sick meat, they get a little diarrhea, abdominal cramps, fever. Who cares? Right? As long as you got that and you make it through, don't worry about it. You're fine. Who hasn't had a beef product and then ended up with, you know, some diarrhea, abdominal cramps, fever within 12 or 72 hours and thought to yourself, man, that couldn't be the hamburger, could it? All right. Addiction, drugs, and longevity. Do they go together? I don't know. But I just know that the Trump administration is awarding $320 million and probably going to be a whole lot more to combat the opioid crisis. The opioid crisis. We've got an opioid crisis and we've got to do something. Right? We've got to do something. So I find it fascinating that we, this is what's been going on, okay? The Attorney General. Uh, has been, I mean, absolutely resolute in the fight against the drug crisis in America. His department has assigned more than 300 federal prosecutors to U.S. attorney's offices and hired more than 400 DEA task force officers, announced the formation of Operation Synthetic Opioid Surge, a new program to reduce the supply of deadly synthetic opioids in high-impact areas, of course, and created a new data analytics program called the Opioid Fraud and Abuse Detection Unit. Well, that's a good business card right there. Freeze. This is the Opioid Fraud and Abuse Detection Unit. I'd like to see the badge on that. They wanted to assist 12 prosecutors sent to drug hotspot districts. 
In addition, the department charged more than 3,000 defendants with trafficking in heroin, fentanyl, um, okay, and prescription drugs. Announced the first ever indictments of Chinese nationals for fentanyl trafficking. Scheduled variants of fentanyl to prevent illicit drug labs from circumventing the law. The DOJ executed the largest ever healthcare fraud enforcement action, charging more than 600 defendants, and proposed rules consistent with President Trump's safe prescribing plan. Now we're getting into the places where I have some issues. The safe prescribing plan requiring a reduction of 10% in 2019 in manufacturing quotas. Uh, no. The department dismantled Alphabay, the largest criminal marketplace on the internet. Yeah, they, they, okay, we got rid of the, the bad guys. Get rid of the bad guys. Don't, don't harm the, the good guys. And on top of that, and then you can break it down. They even break it down even more as they go, and where's all that money going to? Well... You have the innovative prosecution solutions for combating violent crime and opioid abuse. You have the comprehensive opioid abuse site-based program. You have the justice and mental health collaboration program. You have helping children and youth impacted by opioids program. You have drug courts. You have Paul Corvidal Forensic Science Improvement Grant Program. You have opioid-related research for criminal justice purposes. Okay, those last two, I need some money from that. The Forensic Science Improvement Grant Program. Okay, I believe that I have some new ways to forensically, scientifically, improve opioid abuse program. So I need like $3 million out of that, please. That's an awful lot of money and a lot of programs. Going for really, the numbers are, when you get into the numbers... And they talk about some of the big numbers. This is, and this is kind of what, where, I, I, where I really have a problem. All right. When they talk about 72,000 Americans lost their lives to drug overdoses, okay, in 2017, and they still say 64,000 overdoses deaths in 2016. This is, these numbers are not true. They're not true. The CDC already came back and said, you know, we had estimated some some 32,000 Americans died from overdoses in 2016, which, by the way, is half of what's reported in this story. Okay, so they're already lying to you. Half of what they're reporting in this story. And the CDC says what they say is wrong. Um, we think that those overdoses involving prescription opioid pain medication in 2016, yeah. We, we just didn't do that right. We weren't sure on the reporting. So their new estimate is half of that. 17,000. So it's really not a, it's not, it's not a, I mean, it's a, you know, I don't want the 17,000 people to die. Clearly. But it isn't this epidemic that it's supposed to be. Okay. Now. Much of the current opioid predicament stems from the explosion in prescription painkillers in the 90s and 2000s. That's because, uh, you know, we were starting to get older. More Americans realized that, hey, uh, you know, I can take painkillers and be fine. And I can live my life. So they put tighter restrictions on them and the demands. And then what happened? Oh, um, geez, I can't get my uh, I can't get my oxy. Uh, I'll get heroin. So then the heroin boom happened. Now, the attitude that has led many doctors whose patients have had no problems 
with opioid prescriptions to back away from prescribing them. And I just want to be clear. All right. I want to be clear. I get that there's a problem. Absolutely. And I get that people become addicted to them. Okay. But there is a difference between depending or addiction to opioids to survive rather than just being addicted to them. Okay? And and I don't know that that makes... I want to make sure I make sense. People need painkillers to get through their day, day day-to-day living, okay? Those people shouldn't be harmed in this opioid epidemic fight, but they're the ones that's being harmed because they're... The manufacturing has to be down, according to the new Trump plan. So the doctors are going to have less to prescribe. They're beating up the doctors for prescribing the opioids, the painkillers. It's a problem. And obviously, if I'm taking painkillers every day, I'm addicted. My body is addicted to to the drug. But I'm not breaking into homes, robbing people. I'm using the medication as prescribed to be able to get through my day. Those those people are not those people are not the problem. And that's and 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 those people are the ones that are being are being pointed out and and put on the the opioid addiction list. It just drives me crazy. But there is good news though because the oxycontin maker uh, just got a patent for the drug to treat the opioid addiction. So that's good. I mean, good for them. Good, good for them. Because I wouldn't want them to let another company, you know, I want that company, the company that's feeding you the drug. It's like the, it's like the cartel. Our prescription cartel, getting you addicted, taking you off. I love it. I love it. Good for them. Good for them. Now, there's a story here about how to live Oh, I don't even care about that. You know what? I don't even care about the uh, the pharmacies. There's been pharmacies in Tennessee. There's been pharmacies in West Virginia. The one couple had the pharmacies in West Virginia, and they were. I think the county that they're one might have been two or three pharmacies that they had. They were they were equal to like three hundred over three hundred pills for each person in the county. And she still said she was the doc, and she still fought him. And that she said, no, those are all, these are all legal prescriptions and I'm taking care of it. But she's now gone to the islands. They still want, they want to investigate her, but she's not in the U.S. right now. <laughs> so maybe she knew maybe there was a little bit of a problem. But then they have the, the pharmacy in Tennessee that they've been trying to shut down and trying to go after the people there. In that county alone, the one pharmacy wrote... Uh, what would be the equivalent to 270 pain pills for every resident. Now, well, that seems like a lot. No, I'm just teasing. Of course it is. Stupid. 200. <laughs> I mean, 270 a month? Because what do you, you figure you take, the max is maybe five a day. Right. I know that I know the wrestlers of all time. We were taking thirty a day. I went through a toll roads and didn't even remember it. Remember the remember the 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 show that they had on the act the actual the true documentary on the opioids. Wasn't that one of ours? 
Wasn't that one of the ones that we did here? The the documentary thing that we made here at the Blaze, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, one of them was the opioid addiction. And, they, you know, they had the wrestlers on there that were taking, you know, hundreds of painkillers a day. And, of course, you're going to... There I am going through the toll road, even though I was alive then. Well, you probably weren't. You probably weren't. Look, we all want to live forever, right? I mean, we kind of, I know that people say they don't want to live forever, but you all, we're always looking to try to live forever. I mean, we all want to live longer. We're taking our vitamins. We're taking our medications. We think that, you know, the magic pill we've found to make us smarter and younger and thinner, we all love it. But, There was a story not long ago about all the centurions and how, you know, their secrets for living old. And really, it seems that their secret for living old is not trying to live forever. I mean, they're drinking Dr. Pepper. They're smoking cigars. Uh, You know, World War II veteran Richard Overton, he's the oldest man in America at 112. He begins his morning with whiskey in his coffee and a stogie in his teeth. All right, he's, he consumes about 18 cigars a day. He eats scarfing. He's eating cat, catfish and catfish gravy, macaroni and cheese. Last year, the 106-year-old Texan, Elizabeth Sullivan, who passed away, uh, but only after guzzling Dr. Pepper for over 100 years. All right, so every doctor that sees me, this is a quote from her, although she died last year. So sad. Every doctor that sees me says they'll kill you. But they die, and I don't think about it. So I'm still drinking my Dr. Pepper, Doc. Okay? Now, she said, actually, at the end of that quote is, so there must be a mistake somewhere. Yeah. Susan Mushett-Jones died two years ago at the age of 116. She never drank or smoked, but she did eat four pieces of bacon with eggs and grits every morning for breakfast. Now, that's only four pieces of bacon. I mean, I can do four pieces. Who doesn't eat four pieces of bacon just before rolling out of bed? (laughs) Duh. Adele Dunlap passed away last year at 114 after a lifetime of eating, drinking, and smoking whatever she wanted. She never went out jogging or anything like that. I'm not doing any of that. The longest confirmed lifespan in history goes to uh, Janine Kalment, who died in 1997 at the age of 122 according to her obituary, okay? Used to eat more than two pounds of chocolate a week, smoked nearly all her life, and continued to drink port wine into her 13th decade. <laughs> I mean, and we're talking about, we want to we make sure that people don't drink, and people don't smoke, and then don't do that, and don't do this. Now, I know this is a rarity. I mean, even, you know, the people that I talk about, everyone that thinks they're going to live to 122 dies at 60. Have a nice day. I know I'm going to live to... I can eat bacon and smoke all that. Nobody's going to tell me I can't drink. So I get it. Okay, I understand. I do. But there has to be a fine line, right? There's got to be a line there somewhere. I wish we need to take uh, some, you know, some DNA samples from the old folks before they kick. Soon, it, that should be a. We got to make that into a law. You hit a hundred DNA sample from you. Hundred and ten, you. Hundred twenty, you. I mean, every ten years after hundred, you get we get take DNA, blood, test everything. That's what we're doing. 
I don't want to tough. We're doing it because they're already saying that we're going to live. Oh, you know, the person who's going to live to 200 is already alive. I mean, a lot of doctors are saying that right now. I mean, that's impressive. I, I mean, I'm just under 200, so I might be that person. I don't know. This morning I woke up and I felt 200. Does that, does that count? Doesn't count? All right. But look, I, I really believe that, you know, everybody's just like, you know, we were talking the other day about our criminals. You know, parents don't see their little baby in the crib and say, oh, look at little Bobby. He's going to rob the 7-Eleven. He's so cute. Nobody thinks that. And nobody thinks that they're going to be the one to die either. You know, that's the whole thing. I'm going to be the one. I can live forever. <sighs> Dead. Right? I mean, that's just the way it is. I can drive 1,000 miles an hour on this raceway. The accidents don't happen. Gone. Have a nice day. So, I get it. But it's just a little, a little frustrating because I wish they'd just come up with the, the magic. The magic little pill. The quality of life. You're 100. You're hanging out. People waiting on you. You're eating what you want. See, and in today's world, now if you were 100 years ago, then you're sitting on the front porch, maybe trying to get in the radio station, chewing on a cigar, waiting for somebody to bring you a drink. Today's world, I mean, you got, you got computers. I mean, you're sitting on the front porch, you got Dish Network, you could live out in the country and watch anything you wanted. You could get drunk and watch Dish Network and just hang out, smoke cigarettes. Where's the kids at? <sighs> somebody better trim these hedges. <sighs> Where's my bacon? Let me tell you about one thing you do need, whether you live to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 150, you're going to need a house to live in. And that's where you Mercury real estate. Uh, thank you. Don't look at me like that. You know, you didn't know see me going there? Mercury real estate agents I trust. I, you know, I'm telling you. You're going to need it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's real easy. And you can, you can go there whether you're 150, 180. All you got to do is somebody get me the internet. We got to get a new house. Realestateagentsitrust.com. We got to get somebody on the line. I've had balloons and a sign out in front of my house for 55 years. Nobody's come up to me. We need a good real estate person. That's where Mercury Real Estate comes in. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Look, even the guy that's 120 knows the sign and the balloons and the baked bread doesn't work anymore. You need agents that know the business. And that's why we have agents in over a 1,000 towns all over America that want to earn your business. They're highly rated agents who get the job done. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I don't know about you, but I'm a little thirsty. Let's head over to the water cooler and take a drink. Ooh, I just got a call from on my phone. I missed a I missed a call from Pennsylvania. Looks like it says down in Pennsylvania. Well, whatever it's Bill Cosby. Bill called me from prison. It's his first week, you know. You know, the first week in prison, Bill Cosby calling me on my phone. He's calling. He's just calling random numbers in prison now when he gets a chance by the phone. Bill, you got a phone call? I'll make a phone call. Just call anybody. Somebody, please answer the phone. Please answer the phone. I got to talk to somebody, please. Sorry, Bill. 
I'm in the middle of something. You got to call me earlier or later, bro. Any other time, I'd answer it. I just I missed it. I'm sorry. All right. All right. We're at the water cooler. You know, look, I, there was a few stories that uh, caught my eye for uh, just to, you know, chit chat around the office like uh, Lil Xan. You know who Lil Xan is? L-I-L-X-A-N. I mean, I'm a fan. Lil Xan. And, uh, man, you can't. I mean, I've downloaded every possible Lil Xan uh, music and whatever whatever he does. Dances, taps. I'm not sure what he does. But he was hospitalized. Uh, he claims for eating too many flaming hot Cheetos. That's what he claimed. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm doubting that Lil Xan went to the hospital because of too many flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah, we'll tell him it was too many hot flaming hot Cheetos. Okay, okay, that sounds good. Stop it. Lil Xan, I ain't buying it, bro. Uh, we got the, oh, we got the Connors starting up new TV, right? Roseanne, Roseanne without Roseanne, uh, the Connors. Looking forward to. It. I saw a clip. Looks pretty good. I'm a fan. Looks pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm a fan. I love the I love the remake of Roseanne. I was forced to watch it when it was first run. My first wife was you know loved Roseanne, so I was forced to watch it. And you know I slowly became a fan. And then this reboot was great. And then you know Roseanne went off on her little tweet binge. And I uh, went crazy, uh, you know, Xanaxed out. And uh, was it Xanax? Ambien, that's right. Yeah, Xanax, not Xanax, Ambien. Yeah, she went on her little Ambien uh, Twitter rage. I mean, if you want to go on a Twitter rage and not know what you tweet, I guess take Ambien. But uh, the counter starts up, and I saw a clip, looks pretty good. And they, the cast, oh, so awkward filming without Roseanne, was it? Because so many of you stuck up for her when she got in trouble. Oh, wait, none of you did. Uh, it doesn't, they didn't say, obviously, that she's going to die. It didn't say how they were going to kill her off. But at the end of the first season, right, she was going in for knee surgery. So I'm sure that, you know, they gave her too much gas and she died on the table. Yeah. I mean, people die all the time from knee surgery, right? Yes, they do. Yes, I've, in fact, woken up from knee surgery before. I only remember it once in a while, but I was in the middle. Quick story. All right. Quick side story. My knee replacement surgery left knee I've, and i had like my first surgery was when i was you know 14 years old on my left knee i've had my my knees are shot always have been and uh so i I've, I've, I've got a replacement on my left knee a few years ago i had to wait till i couldn't walk on it anymore the doc was like you're too young to get a knee replacement surgery i know that was a surprise in itself and he was just like well you just have to keep walking on it until you can't walk anymore and then when you can't walk anymore we'll replace it see you later and uh, so one morning I woke up and crawled to the bathroom and in tears because I couldn't walk on it. And I called him and he was like, oh, I guess it's time then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But uh, I remember in that surgery waking up. I remember sitting up in that replacement. I don't know what bone they were cutting. I don't know if they'd already cut the bones. I don't know if they were putting in the replacement knee. I don't know if they were trying to squeeze the bone cement on. I don't know what they, part of the surgery they were in, but I just remember sitting up going, oh! and I remember seeing the doc with the mask and a guy up here to my left, both, whoa, big man, and pushing me back. And then I don't remember anything else after that. So whatever amount of gas they were using, they used a lot more after that. Because <laughs> I woke up eight weeks later. No, that's not true. <laughs> but 
but it t- may have taken me a little bit longer to wake up. <laughs> may have just a little bit longer to wake up. <laughs> so stupid. But I'm looking forward to the Connors anyway. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Rosie. Part of this podcast, and thank you for coming along for the ride today. This is Chewing the Fat with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of new things happening in the works. Uh, we've got some other some other great ideas to bring you some uh, some great audio and a lot of fun uh, on your time whenever you want to listen to Chewing the Fat. And I really appreciate it. Wherever you listen and download the show, thank you very much. And and as a uh, just a reminder, though. And while you're doing that, of course you're subscribing, right? And then you're then you're rating, and then you're reviewing it, and then remember we added one, we added one sharing, all right? So subscribe, rate, review, share. There you go. Thank you. Now the rate and review part, you can you know put what you want on there. Most people. I've noticed uh, rate it as about a 10 star and review it as, you know, quite possibly the greatest podcast ever. Most, most people are rating it like that and reviewing it like that, but you don't have to. I mean, you can do what you want. It's fine. Nobody will judge right away until we actually see. So anyway, one of the things that I want to do on this podcast is a thing called the, you know, living your American dream living the American dream and really living your American dream. I want to bring people and and talk to them about what they're doing to live their life that makes it the American dream. You know, the American dream isn't the CEO of GE making 40 million a year. Everybody, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, think that's, that's, that's it. That's the only dream there is. No, that's not what the American dream is about. The American dream is about, realizing what you love and being able to do what you love and not have the government down our throats. (laughs) That's a funny, crazy thought, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) So funny with that whole non-government down our throat thing. (laughs) It's almost as if that's the way it was supposed to be, but isn't. Anyway, the uh, one of the one of the people that I wanted to talk to was a family that uh, does a YouTube channel called Weedem and Reap. Weedem and Reap. All right, my daughter showed me this channel, and that's something that we watch together. It's a family. They have a wife, hubby, two kids. They homeschool. They they have animals. They live outside of Phoenix. Uh, they live. They have the uh, aqueduct system that waters the the yards and plants in their system. It's tremendous. I mean, I love it. And I love their explanations. And they built the pond. And they have goats. And she's, you know, they try to eat well. And they garden. And they do everything. The whole thing. And I love it. And it's well worth. It's so much fun watching it with my daughter. And they're. It's a YouTube channel. They've got about 180,000, I think now, something like that, subscribers. Uh, Their videos are getting, you know, anywhere from 80 to a couple hundred thousand views. 
I mean, so they got to be doing okay. It appeared to me that the earlier videos, Hubby was going off to work. It appears now that Hubby is not going off to work. So perhaps the income from YouTube has helped out a little because uh, he's being more and more a part of the videos. And I really wanted to talk to either him or Danelle, the mom, the wife. And so I had Chris Cruz uh, email them, try to get a hold of them and say, hey, you know, really want to, we'd like to feature you. And in, 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 this is, well, let me read you the email. Okay. We would like to feature you and your family in a new segment called Living the American Dream. This segment is about your story and your success and should take about 10 to 15 minutes. It'll be via the phone, pre-recorded, air on the Blaze Podcast Network. Down and dirty, nice, sweet and simple. Replies have been, hey, what's more information? Who am I talking to? Uh, what specifically do you want to talk about? Uh, man, I would really love to. Can we work out a time? I don't have time right now. We're on the road. We're busy. You know, the in Weedem and Reap, they post two or three videos a week. You know, I know they they run, they run have their life and she videotapes everything and then she edits it and I got it. She's got a website and, you know, she tries to, you know, they're busy. I got it. You know, 10 or 15 minutes sometime in the afternoon. Love to talk to you about it. And the response I got back yesterday was, I'm not interested, period. Okay. I was all ready to buy your products. You've been, I know you started selling shirts and selling stuff on your, on your YouTube channel. You want people to buy your merchandise now. My daughter wants your little facility t-shirt with the, with the goat on it that we all love that jumps on the jumps on the stump every day when he gets out willow i love I, you know i got it it's cute little willow and all the other cute little goats watch them get pregnant not get pregnant the whole thing but all it had to be was man i you know i, I just don't have time now thanks love to just don't have time now thanks I'm not interested, period. I am unsubscribing. I am unsubscribing. You know how many, you know how many, do you, I, I bet you every phone in my house and every television channel, every television has a subscribe button. And I bet you those are all subscribed to Weedem and Reap. Now, I don't know if they count as separate subscriptions, you just lost them. That's all I'm saying. That hurt. And then I was really mad last night. I was so mad when I got that email. And I've calmed down some because I get it. Okay. Okay. I've calmed down. You know, I got it. I watch a lot of shows. And I say, boy, I'd like to talk to that person. I know they'll never talk to me. Be fun interviewing that person. You know, be fun. And I know they'll never talk to me. Some of those people you don't even attempt to talk to, right? Because you just they're not going to talk to you. I got it. I watch a lot of Netflix shows. You think, man, I'd like to talk to them about it. They're, you know, odds are they're not going to talk to me. They should, but you know, Netflix put them on a world tour and they go to, you know, they go to New York, they go to London, they go to LA. They can start coming to Dallas. I'm here for them. No, okay, I got it. I, you know, maybe someday they'll say, hey, why don't you come out for media days? And they'll put me in a row, and they'll just come down and sit in the chair in front of me, and I'll be able to go. Oh, thanks for joining me. We love your new show. And I don't really want to do that. 
I want to talk to him one-on-one and get a little feel, you know, special feel for him. For you. I want you to be exposed to something different rather than just the regular run-of-the-mill, hey, promote this. So I'm not interested, period. Ooh, that hurt. That hurt. Now, I am a little over it. I, I, I think I'm over it now. So, you know what? I'm not over it. I'll let you know when I'm over it because that hurt. I'm not interested, period. I don't, I, you know, my daughter's going to be so mad when she says, hey, dad, we got, we got a new Wiedemann Reap. I'm not interested, period. So apparently there's new news that selfie sides are on the rise as a social media obsessed daredevils seek the perfect picture. I say, thank you. Thank you. I'll watch. I'll watch. Go ahead. You know what? Go back a little bit farther. Take that perfect shot as you lean off the cliff. You really shouldn't be up against that window. No. And then, okay. Oh, that'd be a great shot. If you just crawl out on that flagpole and, oh. Oh. Just climb out on that flagpole. Click. Turn it on. Turn it on. Turn it on. You want the pictures? You know, I often, and I'm, it's sad. Okay, I, I got it. I'm not, well, I am making fun of it because it's not sad. I, you know, it is sad. But if you're going to do something crazy, you have the opportunity. You know, I'll watch. At least once. Maybe twice. Ooh. Watch right here is when the flagpole breaks. Oh, but, uh, oh, back that up. Okay, go. Oh, ooh, see when she hit? I mean, <laughs> but I always wanted to have a suicide cams. I'm going to get a little inside Jeff Fisher baseball here for a second, okay? I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the air before, but I for years thought I lived in Florida and people used to jump off the Skyway Bridge. All, I mean, people tried to kill themselves all the time on the Skyway Bridge and we'd end up having resources and we'd have to go find the body. And by we, I mean the other people, you know, the rescue people and uh, that we paid to do it. And, uh, you know, it was just a big, it was always a big hassle. We'd try to find their identity and who they were. And, you know, they'd leave the car up on the bridge and everything. And I thought, you know, I thought, you know what we need to do? Create a ledge with a little, like a little cupboard in it or a little locker. So that if you want to jump off, you'll climb up there and you put your wallet in the little locker and you jump. So we know who you are. And I thought a way to pay for it would be to have the suicide cams. So as soon as somebody stepped on that ledge, you'd get, a, you'd get an alert on your phone. Boop, somebody's on the skyway. And you turn on, there's the picture. Right, so you pay a monthly fee. I'm telling you, it's a million dollar idea. All right, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. You can hook them up to bridges and plant buildings all over the country, and uh, you charge people, and then you get a little boop. Somebody's jumping, and you see if they jump or not. Right? No, you think that's a good idea? All right, all right. Hey, if you're listening to this today, though, uh, tomorrow's Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this, actually, on October fourth. 
or before 9 9 a.m. Eastern on the 5th of October, you can listen to the Glenn Beck radio program. Stu apparently is going to get attempt to do the Barack Obama challenge and drinks uh, six beers in an hour. Now, if you were any kind of drinker in your life, six beers in an hour is not that bad. Ten minutes of beer, stop. I mean, I used to, when I was in my drinking days, it was, you know, you get off work, you drink a couple of tall boys, you still got four left out of that six pack, you drink another two or three on the way home, and you got one left when you sit down at the house. Of course, on the way home. At one point in my life, I drove a car that was all dented and beat up and beat up, and the police would just drive drive by me going, oh, that guy's had enough problems. I'm not even going to pull him over. So I never was worried about having, uh, don't, okay, it was just a joke, all right? I never drove, I never, ever in my life have driven an automobile under the influence of alcohol. I promise. Never happened. Not once. Okay, see you tomorrow. Oh, 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 o